1: So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
3: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about Markets are getting pretty much so whacked. A disappointing end to Wednesday's trading carried through to this morning. Oil prices have sunk below $27 a barrel. Hong Kong's Hang Seng declined almost 4%. Its first day of trading since being closed for the Lunar New Year. Year of the monkey starts off poorly. Japanese yen has continued to rally against the Bank of Japan's wishes and against the wishes of traders we are trying to do a carry trade. Sweden uh, took their key lending rate further into negative territory, negative 50 basis points. So that's on the banks and not on individuals. Ms. Yellen is appearing before the Senate Banking Committee. She seems kind of clueless, in the point that she raised rates in December, saying things are all fine, and now she's saying, you know, almost 2,000 points lower on the Dow. Uh, we're a little concerned about the world. Uh There was that expectation that we're going to get four rate hikes this year. That ain't going to happen. Cisco, Tesla, Twitter, Whole Foods, PepsiCo, and Kellogg all reported notable earnings last night. Pepsi had a great quarter. Whole Foods was nice. Tesla, eh, it's okay on the outlook, but that's a lot of outlook uh, that you're buying and not necessarily a lot of results. Cisco had a great quarter. Uh, For a company that's not really growing revenue, they said everything correctly, boosting the dividend, boosting buybacks. Um something Wall Street likes to hear. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning with Mr. Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking all things financial. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk budgeting, Chad. This is probably one of the toughest things for the average person to start the habit of. Um I know it was tough for me, and then you get into a relationship. You gotta drag another person in and tying two budgets together into one. Let's talk budgeting.
4: Uh yeah, I mean first of all, budgeting when I think about it a lot is when people tend to get really serious and need to get really serious, they have to get really serious, is when when it gets closer to retirement. I mean budgeting one thing, you know, if it's it's if it's anybody needs to track their expenses. There's some people that spend more than they make and they need to really you know, sit down and figure out what their plan is. And a lot of that might be you only set aside cash and envelopes like the Dave Ramsey type plan to get you through a mindset, a change in how you budget. But what I'm talking about in terms of budgeting most of the time has to do with have you saved enough for retirement and how do you track that on an ongoing basis? Because here's what happens in retirement, Rob. People tend to start a certain withdrawal plan year one of retirement. Year two and three, fine. Year four comes along and they start to feel the effects of inflation. They get a couple of years of, of health insurance increases. Uh, travel costs are going up a bit. Um, you know, they, they notice that they notice the pain at the grocery store after three to five years, especially if they're eating healthier in retirement, because, you know, we all know that healthy foods just keep going up in prices, it seems like. And so. They come back and, and, you know, the the person that goes to the type of advisor that throws them into a plan that says, okay, here you go, you you've got your different wheelbarrows of money out there, and you've bought your stupid financial products like non-traded REITs and garbage annuities. Um, they have nobody to turn to. They don't know if it's okay to pull more money out of their portfolio, um, because in order to know if you can pull more money out, you have to have said, okay what have I been spending? Here's here's my base financial plan when I go into retirement. Here's the expenses that I said I had. Every, at least once a year, you have to go back and track, here's how much I truly spent. Here's what my portfolio did versus my long-term projections. Here's what my rental income or other sources of income did versus my financial projections. And here's my overall net worth. Am I on track? Do I have long-term projections? Because you might be five years down the road and everything did really well or better than expected, heck yeah, go ahead and draw more out. You're fine. You're on track for to, to be able to deal with retirement inflation. But if you get a couple of years down the road and your portfolio didn't do as well as you thought because the market's not doing that great because interest rates are too low or you spent too much in the first five years, hey, it might be time to buckle down because if you don't, when you're in your late 70s or 80s, you might be in a world of hurt. So budgeting is an ongoing process, and it becomes a a tracking issue. So it's very smart. It's it's very required, really. As you go into retirement, you might even be that wealthy person that you kind of do what you want. You don't overspend. You're smart about your money, but you always know at the end of each month you have enough money to continue to invest outside your 401K and everything else. Even that person needs to go list all of their expenses and say, okay, what am I doing now that I won't in retirement, or what am I going to do in retirement that I'm not doing now, which is... Your hobbies, your charitable intents, your you know helping the grandkids, traveling. It's really careful because I'm telling you, I've seen plans where a ten thousand dollar difference goes from you know the plan's okay to the plan is not working, and you're running out of money, and you're doing a reverse mortgage at age eighty-five. You know what I hate
3: about doing budgets is I see how much I spend on alcohol. And I have a problem.
4: <laughs> there we go. Just let it out, Rob. Everyone should. Know. I am your counselor.
3: Real, real quick. Any thoughts on Mint.com as a budgeting tool?
4: Um, no, I think it's great. I mean, obviously Mint was bought by Intuit, yeah. so it's it's fine. We have a our clients have access to a, a wealth management site that does uh, budgeting and all of their financial plan. In fact, it updates it all the time, so they can always see where they're at. So we've got a tool that's even a little bit better than that. Um, but it's it's a great way to start. People just have to get, uh, you know, aware of the security around it. A lot of people get on it, and, and they give up too soon because it takes a lot of maintenance, Rob. I mean, you're, you're going to have to say, I'm going to set aside an hour a week for the next three to six months, making sure it's tracking everything I'm spending and putting it in the right categories. Yep. And then it'll eventually get to know you. Right. But it, there's still some maintenance in, involved, so you have to set aside time to do it. Otherwise, people sign up for it, they get everything in there, and then they, you know, kind of give up. The little Holly Market store is not groceries. It's alcohol.
3: Like I had to tell (laughs) Mint that I have a problem. That's not cool. Scotch-y Scotch. scotch scotch (laughs) Scotch. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Jobless claims fell sharply last week and a good sign for the job market. Fewer Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week and a sign that things are starting to get a little bit more stable for the job market. That low number basically suggests that companies are holding on to workers and looking to hire potentially more. You're also seeing a lot of people quit their jobs in anticipation of getting a higher-paying job, which should be good for the economy. Tesla Motors will begin accepting reservations on its mass market electric vehicle in March. Um, it's going to be the Model 3. It's probably not going to come out until 2018, early 2018. Um, it'll start about at $35,000 after tax rebates. Uh, you need a $1,000 deposits starting March 31st or April 1st. Uh, Starbucks is trying to cash in on Valentine's Day. Love this. Um, they've introduced a lot of chocolate drinks, and they're trying to get people to come in in the evening to have a lovely chocolate drink on your Valentine's Day date. Oil falls today on U.S. supply record and weak demand outlook. Everyone's saying back half of 2016. There are some rumors now that OPEC are trying to achieve a consensus to freeze oil production. We'll see if that's able to firm up into a, from a rumor into a reality, which would obviously be good for the price of oil, which seems to be dragging the market lower. Speaking of dragging the market lower, it's, it's pretty bad out there. It's been a bad start of the year. I love it because I'm still investing in my 401k. I hate it because psychologically I know it, it it weighs on people. But markets are all down pretty aggressively today. Uh, down 2% plus on the Dow, 1.8% on the S&P, 1.5% on the Nasdaq. 10-year Treasury sits at it egregiously low 1.58%. It needs to be around 2.3 where it was in December. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. When
2: we're all in line for the throne.
1: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220
3: KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Smartphones are starting to kill off the fashion show. The first big show of Fashion Week in New York will not take place in a traditional space. It is not even in a traditional schedule which there's about 150 shows taking place, per se. And it's going to take place in Madison Square Garden. It's going to feature not only a clothing collection, but also an album release. And it's going to be attended by a select group of editors, critics, and retailers. Um, They're going to fill out the more than 18,000 seats. They're going to uh, uh, pay up for the privilege to be there. Um, So anyway, things are changing quickly. And uh, you're starting to see... More and more go digital, even in the world of fashion. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source. Talk a little real estate, because with interest rates being where they are now, its I'm not going to say it's a once-in-a-lifetime, because we, we seem to come back to that once-in-a-lifetime numerous times in this cycle. Welcome in. Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done two, maybe three of my loans. In real estate, so I bring him in on occasion to kind of highlight what you should be thinking about when buying a home or refinancing a home or maybe even sometimes selling a home. You can listen to his show here on KDOW 1220 Tuesdays. That's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. drive time. Mr. Mendez, buying a home is intimidating. Yes, it is. I remember in my 20s when I bought my first car. I had buyer's remorse. I had panic. Um, you know, going through a divorce, you have remorse, you have panic, you have fear, but a home, it's it's pretty big. The first home that you put an offer on, and it's not quite the home you want, there's a cracked foundation, you're like, what you, should I be doing? Yeah. Should I not be doing it? Like, you do go through a lot of questions.
5: Yeah, I the first cliche I heard in the business, and it still rings true today, is it's the biggest decision you're going to make in your life, the biggest investment you're going to make in your life. and it. And today, it's becoming more harder to get uh, more difficult to get the financing, uh, finding the right price, finding the right home is difficult today because we have such in- we have competition, we have inventory problems, um, and you're putting cash over top of appraised value, so it's it's a lot more difficult and certainly more intimidating in a seller's market like it is today. And you and I kind of grew up kind of ignorant. We we're kind of like,
3: yeah, Dad said put down 28 to 40 percent of your income, and you and I have grown up in an area uh, era where people are like buy the worst house on the best street buy close to great schools buy close to great jobs don't buy too far out you want someone's wife to want your home you want some curbside appeal i mean it sounds like pretty
5: generic advice but a lot of people got burned with bad advice like buy you know take equity out of your home and buy elsewhere or or um, buy in dallas or yeah just wrong advice you know the yeah. best advice you can give yourself for real estate is to first decide to make a de- decide to buy real estate. That's the hardest decision. Know that you're going to gonna,
3: know that you're gonna be tied to it. Yeah. And you said it's an investment. I say it's a liability. You say it's the, be- it's the biggest investment you ever make. I think it's the biggest liability. You're committing to paying 30 years every single month. Even if you lose your job, even if you divorce, you're making a commitment that's big. Now, later in life, as you pay yourself rent, i.e. the part of the mortgage that's not interest, but the equity, um, it is. it adds up to a great yep. thing over time. It doesn't keep up
5: terribly well versus inflation some markets better than others yeah and and you brought up a good point the, a lot of things that are the benefits the right benefits of owning a home aren't so, sold it's the wrong benefits that are oversold and it gets people hyped up about real estate it really is a hype game isn't it uh, oh it's yeah. a speculation game right now speculation is is dying off as prices are going up and rates are going up it's it's a lot more rate sensitive than it used to be i'm um, because we have such high prices and this is what i fear in this type of market right now is that we are so rate sensitive and we're so sensitive to alternative types of financing like arms and there's no negams anymore there is still interest only. So people are sensitive to those, but they also are sensitive to the payment and the fact that the prices have gone up and are going to go back up to where they've been. It's a tricky market. To if you live out in you an
3: expensive be. area, you're looking for expensive jobs to be created if you're living in Stockton, you're looking for a doubling of minimum wage. Like, there's little keys and hints that you can think about. Um, I could tell you that my industry, financial world, has some slimy people. There's a big mutual fund guy down in San Jose that I got to see some of his salespeople. And they're just 25-year-old, just, I don't know, just, Hey, there, Gus, give me a power handshake, and let's go sell some of this product and make big money and have scotches tonight. Like, they're just... I don't know, what the word, bimbo, himbo, like there's, that's not the right word, but uh, your industry has that too, though. You just call them a tool. Tool, perfect. Your industry's got these tools that are like, you know, all I got to do is do one mortgage and I can fly to Hawaii and smoke weed and come back and do one mortgage and, you know, hey, I used to be a mechanic, but now I'm going to be a mortgage person. I know a woman who's a housewife and she's getting her real estate license simply because it's a little extra money. And she's competing against people who have been in this industry 40, 50 years, super experienced. She's got none. She's going to fail, in my opinion. With that said, maybe she sells one else. Yep. Um, she's got a heart of gold, and she networks really well with mothers. So maybe she does well. You know, th- but there's some barriers I'd, to entry.
5: I'd get into the real estate bu- that side of the real estate business if I had a larger network. Uh, and I've been in my city for a long time. I'm a mom, and I, and I know a lot of people, and I know how to network. You know, that's a great way to start. There's a lot be of people still because, want to yeah. get into real estate because there is a lot of money to be made in this in this industry. Um, the mortgage industry is more of the sales part. Real estate's all about this. The selling side is all about how who you know. One of the first questions I would ask a potential
3: realtor: Tell me the three best streets. Tell me the school scores, and you know, don't show me a big kitchen. I don't care. Show me. The best streets that everyone wants, that has no inventory, that's where I want to be. That has been Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez has been sitting in with me. He works with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He is a lender, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The jobless claims fell sharply last week, in a good sign for the economy. Um, Somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Even though these things could become a self-fulfilling prophecy, the domestic economy appears to have withstood the pressures created by a slowing Chinese economy, fragile growth in Europe, and a meltdown in developing countries such as Russia, Venezuela, and Brazil. The consumer in the United States continues to be a critical core of strength. Retailers and restaurants accounted for roughly two-thirds of the net job gains last month. Not exactly exciting, huh? If you get where I'm going at with that. Um, Other stories of note today, and there's plenty. Um, Obviously, oil falls under 27. It's kind of crazy. Um, 25, 20 to 25 is where people see not an absolute, but a bottom. Samsung is catching up with Apple. Uh, They've got 30, what do they have now? They've got the S7 coming out in the domestic U.S. market. That's what a lot of people are paying attention to. Uh, 31% of the market share now for Samsung versus 40% for Apple. Actual, you know, this actually sets up a pretty good Samsung-Apple fight as Samsung's released the S7 before Apple releases the 7 Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. robblackshow.com. Rob Black, talking money, investments, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. As it's Thursday, we talk tech with Chris Siaccia, tech editor for thestreet.com. Mr. Siaccia, how are you? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm getting fired up about uh, Elon Musk and his uh, propaganda slash headlines. He's losing billions, but he rolls on. Uh, what's the newest on Mr. Musk and his company, Tesla?
2: So the fourth quarter was uh, another miss for Tesla, badly. They missed on, on revenue and earnings, but everyone's excited this morning because they said they'll deliver between eighty and 90,000 cars, which is significantly more than what Wall Street was expecting for 2016. So right now investors are happy, and Elon is sitting pretty. Uh, and Last night he also came out and said, uh, you can pre-order the Model 3, which is going to be their next car, for just a thousand dollars at the end of March. So you know everything you know right now is hunky-dory for Tesla, but we'll see what happens uh, when they actually unveil the car.
3: What is the expectation for um, the Model 3? Is it going to be 2017, 2018? Where are we at with that?
2: Tesla continues to re- reiterate that uh, production deliveries will start. Uh, in the latter part of twenty seventeen, Elon has had the horrible horrible history of over promising and under delivering on dates um, so right now, the street is skeptical on that, um, but Elon was very confident that they would be able to do late twenty seventeen You know people that i 've spoken to think it 's probably more towards you know the early part of twenty eighteen um maybe even you know later than that, but you know. A $35,000 car, um, and then you have the incentives is really key towards Tesla's future. So if they can stick to the 2017 timeframe, uh, I think that bodes well for the company, but it remains to be seen whether they can actually do it or not. How is their Model X playing out? Is it is it is it a
3: solid vehicle? Is it getting good reviews? Because I haven't really heard much about it.
2: <laughs> That's because there ha- actually have been no reviews. Um, I've spoken okay. to the company and was stonewalled. And it was actually addressed last night on the the earnings call. And the reason that they haven't had any journalists or magazine or car reviewers actually review the the SUV yet is because they had to suppress demand because there were so many things going wrong with it um, while it was getting out to customers. You know, little things like you know paint or the falcon wing doors were a big problem early on. Um, Or, you know, so they had to work out some of the kinks before they could get it out to customers. And they said, you know, probably within the next couple of months, we would start to see um, reviews from, you know, places like Consumer Reports or, uh, you know, even on the street. Um, You know, shameless plug there. Um, So I I would suspect that, you know, once uh, once they were able to fully ramp up production on the Model X, um, you know, you should start to see reviews soon. It's
3: interesting to take a look at the stock of Tesla. If you go back to 2012, it was a $26, 22 dollars stock. And then it runs all the way up to 280, roughly, 285. And now it's pulled back from 285 all the way to 150. It's up 14 points today, so it's at 158. It's down almost 50%. Um, what do you make of the stock? Is that normal and healthy? Because on a five year basis, it looks great. On a four year basis, it looks great.
2: On a three month basis, it's pretty much still a nightmare. I think, you know, Tesla's valuation is really just based on the Model 3 and the Gigafactory and I think that's, you know, kind of how it's been for the past few years. Um if you believe that the Model 3 is, you know, going to be this game-changing um, you know, opportunity for Tesla and really electric vehicles, then there's no reason to not hold it for, you know, a multiple year time frame. Um but if you're going to be a day trader, um or you know just like a, a short-term trader, yeah, it's tough to own this name um, because it's so increasingly volatile. I remember even just like looking back, you know, in the past 18 months or so, when they had the issues with the fires, you know, stocks the stock would you know plunge 20 points on one day, and then would be up 20 you know 15 the next. It's, it's it's a tough name to own in a short time frame, but if you've got you know a longer time frame and you're really confident that the company can deliver on this, then Yeah, a longer time frame, you know, like a three-, four-, five-year time frame probably looks a lot better.
3: Gigafactory, have you heard anything on that, or is it still in the process and
2: no updates? Status quo, they keep saying that everything is good to go there. Um, The company's future really is tied to both the Gigafactory and the Model 3, and they've said repeatedly that the two need to come online together, um, you know, within a few months of each other, you know. Otherwise, basically the company would fail. They said last night that the first, you know, battery packs for Tesla Energy, which is their, uh, you know, their their play to get people off the grid so that they can have their own energy and not rely on utilities. Um, those are coming from the Gigafactory, so it's, there's some production production going on there. So it seems like everything is is hunky-dory in Elon Musk land right now.
3: Hunky dory, having lost over three billion dollars in the market correction, still hunky dory. Um, anything else w- we want to talk about with Tesla before moving on to a new topic?
2: No, I I think just the only thing that we need to keep an eye on is um, if there are any concerns about um, you know Model X production or the reviews once they do eventually come out if they're negative, you know I think that's something that investors may want to be wary about. So. We'll see, we'll see what happens once those come out in the next couple of months. And that's probably the, the next big issue for, for Tesla and its investors. Chris Ciacci
3: is the tech editor at TheStreet.com. You could go to com, find him pretty easily, and uh, catch up on all things technology and more. Switching gears, Twitter, it seems like they're proving
2: the critics correct. Um, not a lot going on there to talk positive, is there? No. I mean, at this point, you've got to wonder whether um, – they'll ever, you know, grow user base. It's been stuck, you know, around that 300 million mark for the past year or so. Uh, last quarter, they said they actually lost users. But in January uh, or last month, they said, you know, they saw some of those come back. It's just, I mean, it's a very good business. You know, they grow revenue pretty healthy, but they just can't grow the user base. And they constantly talk about the logged out users of which they have, they say they have half a billion of. But if, you know, from a Wall Street perspective, they just don't care. Um, They're focusing on real time, you know, but you got to wonder whether the people that I've spoken to, you know, whether they're journalists or traders, and I always ask them the same question, if you weren't doing what you would do, would you pay attention to Twitter? And the answer is always a resounding no. So I just, I don't think there's the opportunity for them to materially grow the user base and if you see the, the company's market cap continue to slide as it has, you got to wonder whether um, either private equity comes in and chops them up, or maybe somebody you know takes a strategic stake or an activist comes in. But I just I don't see it happening. Um, where they're ever going to be as big as um, Instagram, much less Facebook? Now,
3: I'm not, I'm not challenging you. I'm just, let's try to have a conversation about this. I heard Kevin Hart interviewed not too long ago. And he was talking about how many millions of people he has on Twitter. And he's like, well, I just did a movie for Sony. And, you know, I have to go and do media press and everything. But I'm not giving him my, my Twitter. He's like, that's a separate brand. That's a separate business. That's, that's, if they want that, they have to pay for that. And you, and you do see successes on Twitter tied towards people under 30. You know, Kanye West says something and the world freaks out. Could this just be that you and I don't get it because we're old and we're not following comedians who actually have big sway and can get people to movies and can get people to buy, you know, tchotchkes, so
2: to speak? See, that's, that and why comes with this, this whole logged out, um, fiasco that Twitter is constantly trying to, to portray to the market and it's just not buying it. There is reach okay. for people on there. Um, it's just it's it's tough to actually get people to actually log in. Um, it's a good business, but I just I don't see it happening. Um, where these people are actually going to start actively engaging on Twitter? They might look at Kanye's tweets, you know, every now and then, or they see them on TV or whatever, but they're just not going to the platform, and that's what Wall Street cares about right now.
3: Anything else on Twitter? You think Jack Dorsey's probably shaking his head, wishing he he didn't take the CEO role.
2: No, I mean, Jack founded this company nearly nine years ago. I think his resolve here is, is as strong as ever. Um, speak, people that I've spoken to say he's not wavering just because the stock price is down since he's come on since the summer. Um, we'll see whether some of these changes, you know, take any effect, but, you know, I'm not too optimistic about it. Okay. And
3: so maybe the, maybe now's the time to get optimistic. When Chris is pessimistic, now the time to... Be the ultimate contrarian. Um, it's cheap, right? Like, could Apple or Google have any interest
2: in in acquiring
3: three hundred million eyeballs?
2: You know, I can't see Apple doing it because, you know, their software lately has been sort of like a nightmare, um, and they just don't seem to have any interest in advertising. Um, they shut down their iAd unit. I've always thought that you know Google would you know eventually buy them if the market cap got low enough, but they have a deal for um integrating tweets so why do you go out, need to go out and buy them um i've you know postulated that maybe you know a company like a bloomberg um a news organization would buy them um there's a really good piece in the new york times today that suggests that maybe twitter should just become you know like the next wikipedia um so I mean, it's tough it's tough to see who um can go out and potentially buy them there's you know there's always probably somebody out of left gotcha. field but it's tough right now
3: Chris Siaccia, tech editor for TheStreet.com. Thank you so much. You can find him at uh, TheStreet.com, and I'll tweet out this interview in a couple of hours.
1: Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
3: The Titanic 2. No, not a movie, but a replica of the doomed ship is set to set sail in 2018. Huh. I don't know how I feel about that one. Uh, Supposedly the new boat will have more lifeboats. That's a good thing, right? New ship's going to be 300 yards long, 57 yards high. It's going to have nine floors, 840 cabins. You'll undoubtedly realize that despite the name Titanic, the dimensions make it only a smaller cousin of of some of today's luxury liners. Uh, Did you see the the luxury liner that went out in Florida and got just rocked by a storm? That was a bad idea. Um, 800-516-1220. So... I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial. I did get an email during the break, and this is kind of a leftover from yesterday, so forgive Aria. Um because my name's Arya, I called yesterday. I asked if it was now was it a good time to purchase a home. I took your advice and noticed that most homes have recovered over 50% of their home value since 2007 bubble, and home prices are at a 10-year high. You and many others bought in during the recovery, but now the window has closed for that opportunity. Much like stocks, buying at a high would be a terrible strategy. However, it's ambiguous the direction in which home prices will go at this point. Which macroeconomic events are worth focusing on now in order to decide whether buying now at low rates and assuming home prices will continue to rise, or to predict another housing bubble around the corner and wait for a low point? I've considered buying a home and observing the 10-20-year outlook and assumed that these fluctuations will fix themselves. I figured if you're in for the long haul, what happens five years in the future should not matter as much as a 20-year evaluation. I'm afraid that much of the home prices are inflated and have reached a peak. In that case, I might end up paying more than my home is actually worth in the coming years. Thanks for reading my inquiry. Um, So a lot of the same information I gave you yesterday is going to be the same advice I give you today. You're never going to know when there's top. Um, You know, you went to Zillow, like I told you, to, and you looked at, you know, the last 10 years where, you know, home prices were, and then they fell aggressively, and then they've recovered probably to that point. San Diego is kind of considered a luxury market, high-end market. Um, you're never going to have a right answer. So first and foremost, buy what you can afford, and that's probably the best thing I can tell you. If your mortgage payment is going to be $3,100 a month, and that includes taxes and everything else, if it's somewhere between 28 and 35% of your income, that's great. If you feel you're going to have to not fund your 401k, don't do it. There's no shame in renting. There's no shame in looking in other ideas as well. Um, you can buy out of market. You don't have to buy in your market. Um, I don't, in the Bay Area, there's are cities that are, you know, 60 miles away like Stockton and Tracy that people bought into thinking like, well, you know, it's it's what I can afford. Uh, you, you don't wanna do that. You wanna buy where there's houses, uh, where there's jobs. You wanna buy close to a university if you can. So you may not be able to afford San Diego. And you may have to look at other areas. I had a friend who was a cop, a citizen on patrol um, in Oakland. And he ultimately bought a home in Florida that he's going to retire into. And he's airbnb in it and VRBO. Um, he's you know getting some rents for it now. He can afford the payment. And that combined with his rent in Oakland, it's turned out pretty good for him. I wish that there was another way of saying this. Um, you know, buy what you can afford. So the interest rates right now, if you can lock in a 30 year fixed mortgage, I don't know where they are today, but with the calamity that's happening in the stock market, you're probably, you're probably, if you could lock today, you probably would want to is where I'm going out with that. Uh, because the year started off horrible. People are running for the exits, which is great. Um, you're seeing the 10 year treasury sits at 1.58%. I have to imagine 30 year mortgages are probably around 3.7% right now. That's a pretty good rate. You might be able to get better depending on your credit uh, rating and such. Um, as far as buying a home right now, like the Bay area, I can give you, you know, a lesson on what's happened here is the peninsula is the peninsula and it rocks. It's got the best schools in the Bay area. Let's just say for sake's sake, okay? There's also Marin. There's uh, East Bay. uh, There's San Francisco. And then you start, like, really stretching from there. Um, What I would, you know, caution you in on is that there's some, you know, there's some affordable markets in the Bay Area, like San Leandro, which is pretty close. Um, So you can go for a low-end market, which has higher crime right now, which has less desirable restaurants less desirable schools less desirable neighbors but you're gonna get a more a a much better value Um, and you're gonna have upside down the road ideally you know there would be a massive earthquake people would say screw this i'm i'm leaving and you know 100 homes would go up for sale in san leandro and the supply would like rocket uh ideals don't always happen if you know what i'm saying so I don't have an answer for you. Uh, you are buying at a high. I'm considering buying at a high, but mine's more a luxury like Tahoe type market or a Hawaii type market. Uh, as long as you can afford the payment, that's the number one thing that you really, really have to be comfortable with. And if you think you're going to move in five years, don't buy a home. So if you think you're going to try to recoup and have it continue to grow at 5%, you're crazy. With what's happened in the stock market and what's happening in the world economies right now, um if China continues to get rocked, and you've heard in California that, you know, somewhere between thirty and forty percent of the buyers in the last three years have been Chinese buyers, um if China continues to get rocked, maybe they you know, maybe some of them will the, the homeowners will say, you know what, I'm gonna sell my home because I need to. Um and that could create a little bit of a housing correction. In the end, buy what you can afford. You don't have a crystal ball, I don't have a crystal ball. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, that's robblackshow.com. If you need a financial planner, check out Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.